Season 1, Episode 3 of the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast. On this episode, we will have a roundtable discussion about some local sports as well as some statewide activity. Also, there will be an interview with assistant football coach Cody Stogner from the Picayune Maroon Tide. The spotlight interview will feature the beat writer Jason Munns from the Hattiesburg American to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi, as well as some local Pine Belt sports action. I <laughs> uh, hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode three of Talking Ball, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Robertson Brothers. They are located at 617 Highway 11 in Picayune, Mississippi. Give them a call at 601-799-1220. Also, look them up on the web at robertsonbrothersusedcars.com. Clay, tonight in the uh, roundtable part of this podcast, we're going to head up north, actually, uh, in Starkville this past weekend. The softball team of Pearl River Central Blue Devils uh, was competing for a state championship and come up just a little short against Neshoba Central. Yep, Nasoba Central. Uh, Nasoba Central has just been dominant. Jeff undefeated, and they um, win the state championship. Pearl River Central and Coach Labella and his crew had a phenomenal year, and uh, just a great honor to compete for that state championship. And Nasoba Central has not really been touched. They've got a young lady on on their squad that uh, is just phenomenal and has been phenomenal. Um, all of her years there, I started as a ninth grader. I was talking to a buddy this week and said that she could win the Gatorade Player of the Year four straight years for the state of Mississippi as a softball player. That That's incredible. Um, Dennis was telling me uh, this week that, you know, you can look through a lot of different places and not find right. a state that's <laughs> given that award for a ninth grader, 10th, 11th, and 12th. But she's that – uh, type of pitcher, just incredible. And so tip your hat to Pearl River Central, the Lady Blue Devils, just an incredible softball year. But, yes, it did uh, come to an end as runner-ups uh, in, in that state championship contest. Well, yeah, and, and you, like you said, you have to tip tip your hat to Coach LaBella and that's, uh, that team up there. He had them on a good uh, good run this year. Last year they seen some uh, some some bright, shining – uh, a moment there where the where the the baseball team won the state championship, and then the softball team was able to go play for a state championship. So good things happening right there at Pearl River Central. Also, this past weekend on Saturday night, right there on the campus of uh, the University of Southern Mississippi, uh, the Popperville the Popperville Hornets, uh, led by head coach Jay Beach, uh, had their spring game against the Crest. View Bulldogs from Florida, good old friend of ours, Coach Tim Hatton, coming over here, and uh, they kind of got together and played in a little spring game action at uh, Southern Miss, and we were able to go up there and, and cover that and 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 watch some of the action. Just what was some of your thoughts uh, looking at the the Poplarville Hornet team as they're heading into this year's action? Yeah, it was really cool for uh, for us to be able to cover it for WRJW dot com and uh, to be available on the app for a spring game. Not a lot of uh, radio crews calling uh, spring games, and that's for a reason. It's a tough format uh, to cover, but we wanted to take the opportunity. They were at the Rock, as you said, at Southern Miss, and uh, Coach Tim Hatton, who we have a relationship with from his years at Pearl River Community College, and then Coach Beach, the access that uh, he gives you and I and Jason Baker to his program to allow – me to really roam the sidelines. Jeff, get great sound during the game. You did a great job uh, 
doing play-by-play, and I was able to talk to – I think we counted – I maybe missed two assistant coaches, was able to talk to all uh, of his assistants other than two during that ball game. But to go back to the action on the field, Popperville is going to return a, a senior class that's going to be phenomenal. They've got a lot of good football players coming back, and they showed that against the 6A club, Crestview. First two defensive series, Popperville looked really good. And Coach Hatton switched quarterbacks across the way, and Crestview began to move the football. But Popperville's defense really ran to the ball, was very physical, played good football. And then Chase Shear, a guy that we talked about, he's going to compete as a junior next year, was just a sophomore uh, the other night. Big and strong and can really run. He's he's different than Austin Bolton, and all backs are different. Of course, trying to replace a guy in Austin Bolton that had 2,300 yards, accounted for 30 touchdowns in that backfield is a, a is tall task big shoes to fill whatever cliche you want to use but uh chase Shear certainly looked the part the other night strong was able to run away from that defense for the bulldogs of crestview the other night so impressed with him and was impressed with uh zach owen a guy uh, who got the ball in the backfield and was able to really move the pile at times hit the open hole the wing t offense rolled as as we saw it last year against a very talented uh, crestview team a, a team that went 10 and 1 in the state of florida last year was undefeated in a regular season their long loss coming i believe in the second or third round of the florida state playoffs just a year ago so coach hatton uh, a guy who you can trust he says they're going to be really good and popperville uh, held their own and then and then at times was even better than that um Coach Beach, when he's done at Popperville, has been incredible. We'll talk about him in plenty episodes uh, to come. His winning percentage since he's been there is 79%, and he took over a program that uh, would have been hard to find a 79% winning percentage in any years kind of linked together there for a long period of time. So Coach Beach, uh, an incredible coach and a good friend to us uh, as a radio crew allows us to – get great sound great access and so that was a fun night uh, uh, last Saturday night to be able to cover that one and uh, green and gold has a, a bright future to look forward to them being really good next year yep and seeing some uh, some different things at the spring game you know they're going to try different things and do some things uh, Antonio Barnes coming back senior quarterback seeing him going in a shotgun formation stuff we haven't seen uh, over the past couple years from the Hornets still kind of throwing the wing T formation in there but at set at a shotgun formation and then also at times ran some true shotgun with uh, you know, a couple wide receivers split out right and left. And that's all going to be led uh, this year to play by new offensive coordinator at Popville, Micah Hickman, coming back home, so to speak, played his football here at Picayune and was com- coaching over there on the North Shore at Mandeville. So he comes back home, and you're going to see, uh, as we've seen in the spring game, his his, foot, his fingerprint's going to be on some of this offense. Yeah, absolutely. This podcast for our listeners across the state and from further than that is based out of Pearl River County, Mississippi. So we're going to talk local uh, during this roundtable from time to time, and you will hear our our local ties, of course. And and that tie you just mentioned uh, with Micah. And then the other tie is Jacob Owen, the former offensive coordinator there for Popperville, and a great success he had, just a technician and teaching that wing tee, has moved over to Pearl River Central 
and I know we'll talk about their spring game in this roundtable, but Pearl River uh, Central has got a heck of a coach in uh, Jacob Owen, and it looks like Popperville has filled in nicely uh, there with Micah uh, Hickman, a great understanding of the game. Comes from the North Shore of Louisiana where he, he told me, he's like, look, I was over there – coaching air raid football he was like we slung it and we threw the football all around he was like i'm gonna bring some of those principles and i even told him it was funny i said you watch out now we were averaging about seven to nine yards of play last year by averaging this wing team so it will be very interesting they did go shotgun a few plays and did get into that spread formation. As a defensive coordinator, it would be an absolute nightmare. If you're a defensive coordinator, you play Popperville next year, go ahead and get your sleep this summer because that week's <laughs> going to be brutal. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we, we've had the privilege of covering them and talking about them, so that's going to be interesting and see. If you're, you're a Popperville Hornet fan uh, listening to the podcast and subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, you uh you've got a lot to look forward to coming this August. And Clay, we got a we got a treat now. We're going to be joined uh by uh assistant football coach Cody Stogner. He's going to give us a little report about uh Picayune, Picayune Maroon Tide. The uh football team had uh their spring game down on the coast uh Friday and uh he's going to he's going to gut join us for an interview and get a little bit of action right now. We've got Cody Stogner with us tonight, and Cody's going to give us – he's an assistant coach with Picky Maroon Tide football, and you'll know Cody's also the head baseball coach for the Maroon Tide. And, uh, Cody, I know you're busy, man. Uh, we appreciate you taking time with us. We were looking to get a recap from the spring game for Picky football that went on Friday night. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Friday night we uh... – you know, we played uh, three three halves. Uh, one was a JV half of two running quarters uh, against Ocean Springs, our JV. Uh, both pretty good. Uh, moved the ball well, uh, executed, and saw a lot of good things on film from them. Uh, our JV guys got a lot of work this spring, and, and uh, they got better every day. Same thing with the older guys. We played uh, two full halves, uh, no kicking against uh, Ocean Springs and St. Martin. Uh, we played all three of those games back-to-back-to-back. You know, like I said, there's a lot of good things we saw on our film and a lot of things we know we can work on. And uh, Our kids, though, you know, I'm quoting Coach Lee here, you know, since day one of spring training, they, they got better every day. Cody, you're, you're – I mean, you've been around Picayune football for a long time, and I've been an observer of Picayune football for a long time. I mean, it's no secret that y'all are going to run the football, be physical up front, and pound the opponent – Who's going to be the, the majority of toting the load there? I know Sean Anderson, who was a phenomenal athlete for you in, in both sports, I guess it's fair to say, with the baseball career that he put together under your uh, leadership. But replacing him in the backfield and the yards that um, he was able to account for. Well, give us some names of some guys that will be toting the pigskin for the Maroon Tide. Uh, we had a number of guys uh, <clears throat> Friday night. Jordan Rain. Um, Jordan Reigns, he's going to be a good one for us. Uh, Winston Drain, uh, Kay Turnage, along with uh, Cameron Thomas. Uh, we have a sophomore named Aldo uh, Johnson. Um, and uh, they all, and Jeremiah Stallings also, you know, they all they all put in put in some effort. But, you know, of course, it's, it's like anything when you're going to run the ball. And it's the offensive line that's going to get the job done for them. Uh, there's a few times looking on film. I think there's a few times I could have ran through some holes. But, uh <laughs> 
we 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 created the line of scrimmage uh, a good bit the other night, and um, like I said, you know, we just got to do a good job this summer of getting stronger, getting in better shape, and uh, just continue to clean things up like we saw in the spring. We're not, you know, glad we got to film from it and and teach teach from it and learn from it, and it's just we, you know, our, our plan is to try and get better and be tougher than everybody. Something told me when I started with the backs, you get it back to that offensive line. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like any 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 level, you know, your offensive line is where every every good team starts from, and I think it's pretty pretty relevant when you look at all the, the top teams in the state uh, year in year out. You know, they're always having a good offensive line. I mean, look, you know, look what Coach Jay Beach is doing in Popperville. They they're not only the best four eight team in the state, one of the best four eight teams in the state. They're they're ranked up there with the top best teams in the state. And, you know, they're going to pound you in the mouth, and it's just because, you know, they, they work hard on, in a, like, in the East Central with Coach Smith. They're offensive line and defensive line, but that's where you're going to win the ball games at. And, and you've said it and nailed it right on the head, uh, Cody. Talk to us. We've talked about the offensive line, some of the backs. Tell us how the defense um, looked throughout the spring and how they looked the other night in the spring competition. Well, defense, you know, they, there was a few hiccups there, but all, they played hard. Uh, we just got to be, you know, we, we coach Trey Hammond, you know, works on one to be physical and get into the ball with a bad attitude. And uh, we've seen that at times Friday. And, you know, we also have a lot of guys that went both ways. And we got a little tired there at some points, but that's, that's where the summer comes in. We got to have a good summer and getting stronger and getting in better shape. Cody, uh, we certainly appreciate your time and us great information on Maroon Tide football. I uh, thank y'all for having me. All right, thanks, Cody. Thank you, Cody. And that was assistant football coach Cody Stogner uh, for the Picking You Maroon Tide. Uh, we'd like to thank Cody for coming on and and giving us his uh, his recap for the uh, the spring game for the Maroon Tide. Uh, Clay, another one you mentioned, Jacob Owen, uh, offensive coordinator last year at Popperville come down to Pearl Central, taking over the reins as head coach of the Pearl Central Blue Devils. I think they have their uh, spring game coming up this Saturday, but it's going to be kind of an in-house, like a blue versus white game. Yep, a white and blue game. I can pick on Jacob. He's going to get his first win of his head coaching <laughs> career on Saturday, regardless of how that one goes. So that will be good. I've, I actually saw earlier on social media they're asking uh, for some help, some for volunteers for the uh, Blue Devil Nation to get out there and support their club. I think they will do a JV action before and then a varsity action. Um, we'll put it out on our Facebook page exactly what time as we get those details from uh, Coach Owen, and that'll be a good uh, good preview, see what uh, the blue and white, what the Blue Devils are going to look like. I know one thing they'll look like. They're going to compete. Uh, coach Owen, um, assistant coach, Coach Penton up there, they will demand effort, and they'll demand excellence. I mean, they're going to get the best out of those kids. Now, what their best will be, will, you know, we'll see, but they will demand 100% effort. And so that's exciting, and, and if you're free on Saturday afternoon, I'm sure – the blue and white would love to see you there yep and I, it's going to be great action up there at uh at carrier right there to see what uh to see what coach owens does with this football team great guy um a good leader of of men young men as far as on the football field so it's going to be uh it's going to be fun watching his uh his first year tenure as head coach on the uh, of the Pearl Central Blue Devils. And that's at Hendricks Stadium at 2 o'clock. The 8th and ninth grade uh, will play, and then the varsity action will be at 
30. So I okay. actually was able to go back and retrieve a text uh, from Coach Owen and, and get that information. Okay, there again, it was 2 o'clock JV action and then varsity at 3.30 right there at Hendricks Field and uh, Perover Central. Also, Clay, we got a big week uh, coming up starting Wednesday, uh, May the 16th. Uh, our Pearl River Community College Wildcats is in the Region 23 tournament. Uh, they come in as the number two seed, Pearl River, Cent- uh, Pearl River Community College does, uh, and they're playing at LSU Eunice. Uh, Eunice is hosting the Region 23 tournament with the winner advancing to the NJCAA uh, National Championship for the for the uh, for the baseball tournament. So, uh, PRCC facing a familiar foe. Wednesday at 3 o'clock at the Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Yeah, I'm going to play uh, Perk and going to be uh, very interesting. Uh, as you've said there, you, you're the number two seed. You've earned that with a regular season state title for Pearl River Community College. We kind of aired it out last week, last episode, with Ryan Hughes, the assistant uh baseball coach up at Pearl River Community College, former Hall of Fame player there as well. So if you want to go back and listen to episode two, he can give you just a great rundown of the Wildcats regular season. And the Bulldogs from Perk, that's a, a, a good club. I mean, you make it to this Region 23 tournament, you're a good team. And so they'll have their hands full on Wednesday. Will Pearl River Community College. They've got a kid down at Perk or Parker, Brandon Parker, I believe is his name. He's had over 20 home runs. Um, so there'll be a lot of power on display between him and Mo Landry for the Wildcats. Should be a lot of fun over at Eunice. And that should be just a great display of six really good right. baseball teams uh, competing, trying to fight their way out of that Region 23 tournament. Yep. And I have the breakdown uh, actually for. The tournament, the number three seed Meridian will play number four seed Itawamba at 12 o'clock lunchtime on Wednesday, May the 16th, followed by, once again, your two seed uh, Pearl River Community College plays the five seed Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College at three. And then the nightcap is the number one seed LSU Eunice uh, playing the number six seed Hines at six o'clock. So all three games. Uh, Wednesday, the tournament goes uh, from the 16th of May through the 20th of May. So, uh, should be a lot of good baseball played right there in Eunice. Yep, should be. Uh, also, let's touch up. Let's start up top of the north. We've we've done this last time. Talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, a little baseball action this past weekend. They swept uh, Auburn. Auburn was the 16th seed. Uh, or 16th, ranked 16th in the nation coming in. They swept uh, the Auburn Tigers. They had a 5-4, an 8-3, and a 10-3 uh, victory over the Auburn Tigers. Uh, you're looking at some of these different polls. The coaches poll has Ole Miss at 6. Uh, the Baseball America uh, poll had Ole Miss at 5. The D1 Baseball Top 25 poll had them at 5. So, And their, their RPI is number 8. So the Rebels really playing good ball. Uh, coming off that series sweep this past weekend against Auburn. Yeah, and in, in my mind, unless Ole Miss just does something crazy over these next four ball games with Arkansas State, Alabama, and then on into SEC tournament play, they've pretty well secured themselves a, a top eight national uh, seed with what they did at, against Auburn. Auburn really was scorching hot, has a phenomenal Friday night guy. And none of that bothered Ole Miss, as you said, with the big sweep 
and to me, that just kind of staked them to a top eight national seed. The Rebels um, behind Coach Bianco have, have played phenomenal baseball all year long, 39 and 13, and, right. and that conference is a mouthful. So, uh, kudos to Ole Miss. Yep, uh, and like you said, they ended the they got a mid series, uh, midweek uh, game against Arkansas State, and then end the the regular season with a three game uh, road trip to Alabama at Tuscaloosa. And working our way down the state, uh, coming to actual Mississippi State, the Bulldogs uh, lost two out of three uh, this weekend against Kentucky. They lost six to nine Friday, one to four Saturday, and actually won Sunday, 18 to eight. Um, Just a heartbreaking weekend for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, You know, having an up up and down season, uh, are the Bulldogs as they as as they come into the end of the regular season? Yep, and Mississippi State just trying to uh, salvage enough to qualify for the SEC tournament, but they're going to have their hands full. Going to close out the year with number one ranked Florida, so not going to be an easy task to try to potentially take two out of three from them and maybe make the SEC tournament. It will be um, not many years that uh, Mississippi State does not qualify for the SEC baseball tournament, but that may indeed happen this year. Yep, and for, you know, Ole Miss fans and Mississippi State, Mississippi fans alike out there, the conference tournament, uh, as you well know, starts May the 22nd and runs through May the 27th right there at Hoover, uh, home of the SEC. They have the – the big field, you know, right there that that they play at every year. So, conference tournament coming up uh, right there at Hoover for the SEC. Also, getting to just a little bit of the USM action uh, from this past weekend. Uh, they uh, fortunately lost two out of the three against Louisiana Tech. Lost ten to six Friday. Won sixteen to one with a big a big showing Saturday, but then was on the short end of the of the baseball bat Sunday losing eight to three. So uh, tough, uh, tough series right there this weekend uh, for the USM Golden Eagles. Yep. And I won't touch much on that, Jeff, because we've got uh, Jason Munns with the Hattiesburg American, the beat writer for them. And so we'll get deeper into that series and we'll have uh, good information on not what only has took place that past weekend against Louisiana Tech, but really a rundown on what's taking place over the regular season for Southern Miss. Yep. And then, um, you know, expanding uh, the view a little bit for the NBA playoffs. Um, Had a game yesterday, uh, Sunday, the Cleveland Cavaliers lost to the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics was number You being uh, kind. A loss. Seed, they kind of got manhandled, didn't they? Two seed in the, in the East. Yeah, the final score was 108 to 83. And just looking at some of the numbers, Clay, as I was – you know, when you have they, – they call him the king, the king of basketball, best player uh, in the world. I mean, you hear talk going around about LeBron James. But when he's 15 points, 5 of 16 for field goals, and then you let people – on the other end of the court, uh, the Boston Celtics, Al uh, Harford, 20 points, 8 from 10 from field goal. Jason Tatum, a rookie, 16 points, 6 of 11 field goal, 2 of 5 from 3-point. Uh, it's hard to compete when, you know, you, you want that man. And LeBron James, man, you want him on your team. But when he's scoring 15 points and uh, the guys around him, not a lot of help. Uh, you can see why the score was 108-83. Yeah, Cleveland not going to win a lot of games with him just giving them that, which has been rare. Look, he's right. been consistently great. 
for all of his career. So he he rarely really has a dud. He had a dud in game one. And Coach Brad Stevens for the Celtics, in my mind, is, you know, Coach Pop has held that title and done it for a long time. And Coach Stevens isn't there yet with the Celtics. But he is a genius to watch. The motion, the way that they move the basketball, they can plug and play. Look, they've got a lot of injuries on that team, and he's got them in the Eastern Conference Finals and up one game. It's incredible when you look at the way that they're playing without Kyrie or Irvin, without Hayward. It's, it's really for them to have made it where they are and to win that first game the way that they did. Uh, speaks to uh, how well he – coaches that team and then how ahead of schedule uh, Tatum is. Tatum, a guy out of Duke who I knew was going to be really good because I follow Duke basketball closely, but he's even better than what I thought he was going to be. He has been really, really good. And so, you know, you hear Philly fans, uh, the process and how good the future is going to be. Well, the East is going to be pretty stacked. If Philly uh, and the process works out the way that it probably will with Simmons and Embiid just getting better and better, but Boston, when they get Kyrie back and Gordon Hayward back and the way that this Boston nucleus is even playing without those guys and Coach Stevens, that East is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And you may be seeing a little passing of the torch. It's like LeBron's got like found the fountain of youth, but maybe, just maybe starting to wind down on what his East dominance has been. But that's going to be fun because, you know, LeBron – and Cleveland aren't going to go anywhere uh, just off of that game one loss. So that would be an interesting series to keep an eye on. Yep, and he, he said in some interviews, you know, listening and at sports radio and just, you know, he has zero concern right now. I mean, it was it's a it's – a, he's down 0-1, said he's been down 0-2 before. So uh, they, he, he will look to bounce back from that. And also, as we record this episode tonight, the Golden State Warriors are playing at Houston – uh, Houston Rockets that are one they're the number one seed and Golden State is number two seed in the West so big series I mean that's this is what everybody wanted to see as far as in the West with Golden State playing Houston so that should be a really uh, a really high intense three-point game or series from them two teams yeah Daryl Morey went and got the general manager for the Rockets went and got a piece in Chris Paul just for this series got James Harding to run a mate and hopes to be able to make it to this series and win this series. And uh, Paul looked good last playoff series. It's always kind of been a question of him and Harden. Can they finish? Can they play in tough playoff basketball? They looked pretty good last series being able to, to close out and win it. But Golden State, just a different animal. And that's going to be awfully fun to see these two teams lock up. Chris Paul and James Harden, a brutal guard uh, combination. But I don't know who's going to guard and how they're going right. to guard uh, Kevin Durant. You know, LeBron, I think uh, it's hard to argue that he's not the ba best basketball player in the world. But to me, the best pure score is the way that Durant can score the basketball at his size. I mean, to be his size, the way that he can handle, elevate, shoot the basketball. And then we have any mentioned Steph Curry. I mean, that, that lineup, if Houston can stay with them and right. make it the kind of series that everybody's hoping that it will be, I will tip my cap to them. But I almost think Golden State's going to come into this series and – they haven't – they've had stretches where they've basically taken right. off during a regular season. 
And I think they'll be so mentally engaged that they're going to make life miserable on the Rockets. That's just what I see. Uh, I hope it's a great series. But I think the Warriors and just hearing their comments coming into the series, they're going to be fully locked in. And when Kerr's got them uh, locked in and listening uh, to his directions, uh, it should be a lot of fun to see how Golden State plays. Yep, it should be. And then, you know, talking a little bit of uh, Major League Baseball, um, your Braves, you're wearing the shirt again. I'm looking over across from you, and you're wearing that Atlanta Braves shirt. That's the only uh, shirt I got when they <laughs> went in the NL. Buddy. Well, they, they took three out of four from the Marlins this past week uh, weekend and actually started today a four-game series against the Cubs. And I, I'm sure you've seen it, but they they come out on top six to five against the Cubs today. So they got three more games in that series with the Cubs leading the NL East. So they're sitting right now at 24-15. and 15, So – Braves has kind of got it rolling for you this year. That's unbelievable too, <laughs> Jeff. They when we talk about the process and this and that with uh, Philly with the 76ers and basketball. That's what you know what Brave fans were looking at. We were looking at being good and maybe year and a half, two years, but to lead the NL and look, it's not the first or second week of the season anymore. We're we've got some games under our belt so this is very exciting time I, I, i've called them the baby braves and and they're very young but uh nukem the guy that they've thrown has been unbelievable his last three starts so they're getting quality pitching from young arms and that lineup they can all run can hit we've added some help around freeman the Acuna, the guy that we've just heard, and Albies are better than advertised, which is hard uh, to imagine. So I'm on cloud nine with the way the Atlanta Braves are playing. Well, they're, Not they, that they couldn't hear that. No, they're playing great, uh, great baseball. And also on the AL side, uh, you know, Yankee fans listening out there, uh, they remain red hot. They're 28 and 12. They're eight and two in their last 10 ball games, and they're tied. For the AL East with the Boston uh, Red Sox, both of them set at top at 28 and 12. And then if you look down to the AL West, you have the Houston Astros at 26 and 16, uh, the reigning World Series uh, champs in the Astros. So that that AL side looks just as strong as it did last year. Absolutely, and Astros are just so fun to watch play. I mean, that's that's I'm a as our listeners have heard through these first couple episodes, I'm a Braves fan. Uh, but if the Astros are on, it's hard for me to turn away. That's a just so fun to watch, and they are dominant. Just a great club there in Houston. Yep, and to touch a – we'd be crazy not to hit on it from this past weekend, but they had the players' uh, championship. Some some say that should be the fifth major in golf, uh, the players, and they were down in Florida playing at the, the, the world-famous course that they play the players at. Uh, every year with the Island Green number 17. Uh, 100, I've never seen a 135-yard par three look so intimidating to some of the world's greatest golfers in the you know that there's that's out there. Uh, but Webb Simpson comes in on top at 18 under, uh, led wire to wire, wire to wire winner from Thursday through uh, Saturday. I mean through Sunday had some surges Saturday from Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth. Both of them shoot 65s on Saturday. To, you know, both of them barely make the cut at one under, uh, have to wait around the clubhouse for a while. It was at two under, and then uh, the cut line moved. The cut line moved uh, to one under, so Woods and Spieth comes in, uh, makes the cut, both shoot 65 on Saturday. And then Tiger Woods, 
you know, he like I said, he barely made the cut. And then that one moment yesterday, 14 under, tied for second, but then he bogeys and then double bogeys at infamous par, uh, par three number 17 and kind of takes him out of contention. But uh, congratulations to Webb Simpson shooting 18 under. Uh, tremendous score at the players. Uh, but just watching some play from Tiger Woods, it, he's he's hitting the golf ball real well. Uh, had some times, that, you know, that he didn't putt as well, you know, missing some missing some birdie putts and missing some par putts to make them uh, to make them bogeys. But um, it's kind of got a roar around the golf community when Tiger is playing. Uh, I say decent, not really yeah. Tiger standards, but he's playing he's playing good golf. Absolutely, and the TV executives love right. Tiger Woods <laughs> and the golf uh, community uh, love him or hate him. Uh, pay so much attention to him, and they get so many fringe viewers and and people like myself that are casual observers. I like golf. If Tiger's involved, uh, am I more apt to pay attention? Yes, I am, and so um, that's been fun to see him is he back no that narrative uh, i'm not going there yet and when he is back i mean when he was at his when he was tiger uh, i don't know that he'll ever be back there but he's putting some rounds together that are getting attention and in speed so fun to watch so is it good for the game for him to play this way yes it is and it's awfully fun to watch we will now uh, shift gears we promised uh, earlier in the round table that we would get to Hattiesburg American beat writer for Southern Miss, Jason Munns, and we will dive deep into Southern Miss, Southern Miss baseball with Jason Munns. Tonight we have Jason Munns joining us. Jason is the beat writer for Southern Miss with the Hattiesburg American, and we're pleased to have him joining us. We're going to dive deep into Southern Miss baseball and also talk some high school baseball and so we appreciate, Jason, you taking the time to join us on Talking Ball, y'all. No doubt. No doubt. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm honored, uh, as a matter of fact, that you guys uh, are, you know, have, have had me on the show. Jason, we were hoping when I uh, when I reached out to you, um, as Jeff and I are both Southern Miss guys, and uh, we know as a beat writer you keep it right down the middle. But honestly, I was hoping to be talking about a uh, Conference USA uh, championship that Southern Miss may have clinched over this past weekend, but uh, that wasn't in the cards. The Louisiana Tech came into the Pete and won two out of three. Just if you would – Kind of expand upon what you saw this weekend in that series. Really, what I think I saw uh, most, you know, that, that stood out to me more than anything was, you know, just, just pitching issues. Uh, you know, Southern Miss has been so good lately. You know, they had, they had some problems uh, on the mound early this season, and then it looked like when they, when they went on that run where they won 12 out of 13 or or whatever it was, it looked like they'd kind of gotten things figured out. Uh, Samlin had come back from his injury. Uh, you know, Stevie Powers was pitching well. Walker Powell was throwing well. And you were even getting some really quality outings, uh, appearances from some guys in the bullpen, guys like uh, Cody Carroll, um, you know, Adam Jackson, Mason Strickland, uh, Jared Wright. You know, you were getting some really guys who were really starting to, Seem like guys are really starting to find their groove and and uh, and and really settle into a, a rhythm. Uh, you know, roles were becoming more and more defined. And then 
you know, Stevie goes down uh, last weekend at UAB. Uh, he gets hurt uh, with some, uh, I guess what they're calling it is forearm tendonitis, and it's just a little, I talked to Stevie over this past weekend, and he told me that it's, it's kind of, it's just below the elbow, more towards the wrist, or I mean, you know, going in that direction. Uh, mm. And it's, it's painful, and it's kind of a burning sensation, and so. None uh, of that it, stuff's it, good, Jason, for a pitcher, is it? No, <laughs> it's it's not at all. Uh, but it's better than it could have been. I mean, it, right. it sounds really bad, but the way he described it to me was, I never heard it pop, or I never felt it pop, or anything like that. And that's that's when it's you know borderline catastrophic for pitchers right. when you have that that pop or that snap or whatever. And so he never had that. Um, and they you know when they ran the test, they realized it was just some inflammation and needed some rest. So. But but not having him against Louisiana Tech, I think really, um, you know, really created problems. You know, they didn't have that left-handed starter to go in between the two right-handed guys. They threw nothing but right-handers at Louisiana Tech, and it looked like they were ready for it. And mm-hmm. you know, once you take that, they're they're not deep enough. Southern Miss pitching staff isn't deep enough this year to where you can take one guy out and and. You know, you can just plug somebody else in and everybody else, you know, stays in their spot. You know, you, you take Stevie out and then you have Nick Sandlin, who's also dealing with a blister on his finger. He didn't have his best stuff um, Friday night. And, and you know, when you, when, you, when you get into a situation where a team, when Nick Sandlin all of a sudden becomes beatable, then, then you're really, uh, you're kind of backing yourself into a corner. Um, you know, he's been, has been for the most part unbeatable this year. And, uh, he's had a couple of rough outings. Ohio state, uh, was a little bit, you know, not, not great. And then, uh, against Louisiana tech, I think it was a little, it's probably his worst outing of the year. And, um, you know, just struggled with control and the umpire sure didn't help. Uh, there was, there was a lot of inconsistencies, uh, both on Friday and Sunday with the umpire and it was uh well just you know, following along it didn't it sounded like um that both uh opposing and both the Golden Eagles neither one were real happy with uh that crew and then Sandlin I, I've heard you say a blister and struggling with control but I think he had come into the game with only like 12 walks on the year and then for him to struggle at all kind of made me uh question that crew on um friday night sandlin you've talked about his dominance uh seven and oh his era finally has bumped over uh that one one mark and it's under that still in conference usa play has been incredible and that was strange to hear uh john cox describe him struggling at all with his control yeah he had come in with 10 walks i think his his strikeout to walk ratio was something like it was like around 11 to 1 going into the game and and this late in the year that's just nuts (laughs) and uh uh so and then he walked four guys uh on friday four in one game and he only walked 10 all year and and so you know i'm not one to sit here and point fingers at you know at an umpire but there was no doubt that this guy was uh just inconsistent, and, and I think that kind of got in Nick's head a little bit. He, you know, Nick is an incredibly competitive 
pitcher. Uh, he's I, I don't I wouldn't go so far as to call him fiery or anything like that, but he's a bulldog out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when he gets frustrated, it tends to sidetrack him. And, uh, and I think he got a little frustrated, and that didn't help, you know, that and the blister and, there was, you know, the fact that, I mean, not taking anything away from Louisiana Tech, they're a good ball team. And so, you know, you put all that together, and it makes for for uh, for a rough night, and that, that's exactly what happened. Jason, um, are, you, are you surprised at all that the way that he's um, transferred from his closer or, you know, which I say closer, he went long a few times last year, but the way that that has translated to him on Friday nights, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. Uh, he was a starter all throughout high school, and and I know you know I know that high school and Division One are two totally different things. But uh, and like you mentioned, he had been stretched out um, at times in his first two years. Even though he was quote unquote the closer, he had been used at times for two, three, four inning stretches. And uh, I don't know exactly how many, but I think it was, you know, it was more than just a couple. So uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say I was surprised. Um, You know, a good pitcher is a good pitcher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't like he was a 9,900-mile-an-hour guy that, that can really only go for an inning or two max. You know, he's a, he's a guy who knows how to pitch. He's got three different pitches. He's not your typical closer. So, uh, you know, I guess really the only question was stamina. And, uh, and he's, you know, he's answered, he's answered those questions loud and clear. Well, you look at Southern Miss, 36-14 and 14 on the year, 20-6 and six in Conference USA play. They go to Marshall uh, this weekend, Jason, would still still in really good shape um, to clinch uh, uh, back-to-back conference titles and, and the regular season. The way that they've played, you, you've talked about it, that pitching depth. So some of their middle of the week against high-end, high-caliber teams, uh, they haven't fared as well in, in that and the scheduling. I guess what I'm getting at, Jason, they've played great in conference play. But talk to us about the RPI number, and if they do clinch, do what you what you would think, feel like they're going to probably at least win two out of three this weekend. Uh, let's look ahead and see where they may end up in, in tournament play. Yeah, I was thinking that they needed to win two out of three to still even have a slit, you know, a glimmer of a hope to to host the regional. I was not of the opinion that they were already out of it before the, the series against Louisiana Tech. I thought, you know, I thought if they took two out of three from them and then beat UNO and then swept Marshall and then got to probably the championship game in the, in the conference tournament that they would still have a pretty decent chance uh, to host again. But, um, yeah, that didn't happen. And I, so because of that, I, I think they're going to end up having to hit the road um, uh, for, for a regional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's going to be really interesting because, you know, the, 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 uh, the usual suspects aren't necessarily around. Right. This year, uh, there's no Mississippi State, there's no LSU, there's no uh, Louisiana Lafayette, there's no, you know, you, you might get Auburn. I mean, they just got mm. swept by Ole Miss. So, you know, they're they're going to need to show something this last week in order to stay in the hosting conversation. So there's, there's 
it wouldn't surprise me if Southern Miss gets sent to Auburn. Uh, I don't think they will send Southern Miss to Oxford. Um, Oxford has played itself into a situation where they're, you know, they're going to be a national seed, yes. and you know, one of the top eight uh, in the country. And typically, you don't, you don't, if a team is right on that bubble of hosting, like Southern Miss is, they'll get sent to a more favorable site than than one where where the competition figures to be a little bit. Uh, elevated and that, so and, I, and that would only be fair right jay i mean as as a old miss as you said baseball america had them ranked fourth uh today in their poll i, I i'm i agree with you southern miss in my opinion would be um too good a club for both usm's sake and for old miss sake uh to be sent to oxford exactly exactly by doing that you punish both right. both teams uh and and so i I don't think they're going there. I think if Auburn gets the host spot, I think that's probably the most likely spot. Um, not ruling out a return trip to Florida State. Uh, Southern Miss went there two years ago, and um, you know, just like I said, because there's no LSU, there's no Lafayette, there's no uh, there's no TCU mm-hmm. uh, this year. It's it's kind of a weird deal uh, where the South is actually going to be. I mean, Arkansas will, will host, but I think that's another situation where. Uh, you know that's another national seed. I mean, they just swept Texas A&M, mm-hmm. which is which is a good team, you know good program. So that's another one where you're not going to punish Southern Miss and and and, and Arkansas uh, potentially at the same time. So it'll be really interesting, um, you know, just to see how it all unfolds. Uh, but I do think Southern Miss goes up to Marshall, and I think they're going to sweep. Uh, Marshall is not good this year. I don't think they're going to even make the conference tournament. I think they're probably going to finish either next to last or last in the conference standings. So I look for Southern Miss to go up there and and uh, kind of flex their muscles and get their, you know, get their mind right, get their momentum back going into the conference tournament. Yeah, you mentioned Marshall seven and nineteen in conference play, nineteen and twenty eight for their overall record. It would be interesting and just to kind of look into that crystal ball, so to speak, if it was Southern Miss and Auburn you would have two of the top pitchers in college baseball potentially um, to pitch against each other if they were to match up. It would be interesting to see what Coach Barry decided to do with Nick Sandlin, knowing that Auburn had um, a top-end talent, a guy that really hadn't been hit at all until this past weekend against Ole Miss. So that would be interesting if you save um, Nick Sandlin to try to match up against Auburn. A, a lot of things in the in the crystal ball there, but one of those things is the conference tournament, which you've alluded to a couple times, that's going to be down in Biloxi at MGM Park. And what are your thoughts, Jason, on – that being the host site for the Conference USA tournament? I think it's good for those fans that actually do travel, which, unless you're a Southern Miss fan, they're, they're pretty few and far between. Uh, last year's tournament was held at the same place, and there weren't that many fans there outside of Golden Eagle fans. Um, there just weren't. Not even, mm-hmm. you know, schools like Louisiana Tech, I think Rice might have brought, you know, 50, and Louisiana Tech probably brought somewhere in the same neighborhood. Uh, so I think for those fans that actually do show up, it's pretty good. 
those teams that actually do make it, I'm sure they'd rather go, you know, to a place where, you know, there's a beach and there's mm-hmm. other things to right. do. You know, I think I think the coast probably has a few more things to do uh, uh, than Hattiesburg, but. Um, you know, and two, I think that the teams probably prefer it since it's more of a neutral site than, you know, in Pete Taylor Park. But uh, if I'm the organizers, you know, if I'm the one, those guys that are putting on the, the show, you got to understand that if Southern Miss isn't, hmm. isn't playing deep into the tournament, that's uh, not going to be very good for your bottom line. And so I don't think it makes sense for, you know, for the people that are, that are running the show down there to, you know, to re-up once the current uh, agreement expires. I don't look for that one to be, to be signed again. Um, you know, I, I think, and I don't know what they'll do after that. Um, I like it as a media member uh, in a way just because, you know, who doesn't who doesn't like being on the couch? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'd love to I'd love to stay home and eat, sleep in my own bed and 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 have home cooked meals all week. But there's you know it's not that bad to mm-hmm. just uh, truck you know an hour and a half down the road and hang out in Biloxi for for uh, half a week. So I enjoy it. I bet the teams enjoy it. I bet the people who actually do go enjoy it. But uh, I, I just don't think it's uh, viable long-term. Well, you know, Jason, just to piggyback on what you were talking about right there, and we talked a little bit about the crystal ball looking as far as the outlook at Southern in the in the tournament after the conference tournament, but you was talking about that contract once it's up with the uh, current agreement now where the Conference USA tournament will be played. Do you think it will ever go back to rotating to the different schools like it used to? where each school had a chance of hosting, do you think it'll ever get back there, or do you think they'll continue to do neutral site situations? I think it'll probably go back to the schools. Um, I just they're, – they're, that's as close as they're going to get outside of maybe Pearl, where, uh, you know, you've got a, a place that's easy for teams to get in and out of, and it's uh, – somewhat reasonably close to, you know, for, for the teams that, that are in conference USA to get to. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I could see somewhere maybe in, in, you know, maybe, maybe Montgomery, maybe, uh, you know, I would say Nashville, but that's kind of the same deal where middle Tennessee is right there, maybe a half hour away. Um, you know, maybe they explore that, but again, if you if you have it in a place like Montgomery, how many how many Marshall fans are you going to get there? How many uh, you know how many um, I guess UTSA fans are going to travel all the way to Montgomery? You know, I, I just think that uh, it's it's probably going to go back to the school, and you know, really in Conference USA, there's only a few schools that can even handle hosting. Right. Uh, Southern Miss, Rice. Uh, it's a short list, man. Really, we've brought up a, a topic here that could be a separate podcast in itself. When you look at, and you hate to call it problems or challenges, but that's what they are with the current conference setup. I mean, 
we're, we're kind of getting at in a nice way that it's a very limited and and which fan bases are going to care enough uh, to attend and then the facilities to actually host. So uh, there are a bunch of different issues that are kind of around this one question. And not just the facilities to host, but also like the staffing. Uh, I mean, obviously Southern Miss hosted, I think, two or three years in a row uh, before last year when they when they went down to the coast and you know, Southern Miss does it right. They know they know how to do it, and yeah. they do have the facilities to do it. And uh, you know, it's it's not that hard to get to. Uh, you know, you fly into either Jackson, New Orleans, Mobile, or the coast, and you can get you can get here uh, if you have to fly. Um, you know, so I I, I just I, I look forward. Like I said, I look forward to go back to either. You know, go back to the to the to the thing where it's going to be at somebody's home home field, and then again, you're looking at Southern Miss Rice and maybe Middle Tennessee, and that's going to be about it. Right. Jason, let's go back to the diamond and talk about the Southern Miss team that's been on the field this year, and that we're going to talk about the middle of the lineup, um, Matt Walner and Luke Reynolds, and. What you've seen, you've had an up-close view and covering them out of that uh, duo in the middle of this Southern Miss lineup. Boy, they're, they're fun to watch. Uh, you know, uh, Southern Miss has had some pretty good one-two punches in the past. Um, Clint King and Jeff Cook come to mind. Uh, you can throw in, you know, it, it kind of, they all start to run together you know, the, the, the further away you get from it. But I know you've got, uh, you know, Ryan Frith was in there and Brad Wilcutt. And, uh, you know, so Southern Miss has had some, and then obviously and, and you can even mention Mark Maddox and mm-hmm. whoever he was paired up with. But, uh, no, Matt Walner and, and Luke Reynolds are. Um, and the guy they, that played that third base position and Walner just a year ago were a pretty good uh, duo in itself. So to have Reynolds step kind of right in to what Bordeaux was doing last year has been a, a blessing for the Southern Miss Club. Very true. Very, very true. And then, you know, I think what puts this um, part of this order over the top is Hunter Slater. And, you know, he struggled a little bit lately. Uh, but the way he played the first half of the season on top of what Walner and Reynolds were doing, uh, I mean, that, that, that just was a nightmare, I would think, for, for any pitcher who had to try to navigate through that, um, you know, through that, through that part of the order. You know, but, but getting back to Walner and Reynolds, who are now hitting, interestingly enough, instead of hitting third and fourth in the lineup, they're second and third, got very moved, uh, I guess Matt Gidry got kind of banged up on Friday, and so they moved Luke Reynolds into the two spot, and they moved Matt Walner into the three spot, uh, which which kind of which broke up the Reynolds Walner Slater trio, and so now it's um, you know Reynolds and Walner in the two and three spot. But yeah, they're they both got 13 homers. They both got uh, somewhere between 50 and and 60 RBIs apiece, and uh, I know. Luke is hitting 384, and Matt hit somewhere around 360. So uh, it's it's something special, I think, to watch, and it'll be really fun to see how they do, uh, you know, in the in the postseason. 
And, Jason, I know you've covered in depth for the Hattiesburg American there, but two guys that get to Southern Miss in really unusual ways. Uh, Matt Warner, a, a Minnesota kid, correct me if I'm wrong there, and then Luke right. Reynolds up at Mississippi State. Um, so two guys that get to Southern Miss in, in unique ways, and I, I know you've done some ni- nice pieces on their background stories. Yep, you're absolutely right. Matt uh, is a Minnesota native, and he was all set to go to the University of North Dakota um, when when North Dakota, when the university um, shut down its baseball program. And it was, you know, they, they, they played all the way up till Matt graduated high school, and then uh, and then they they said, all right, we're not going to play baseball next year. So he was essentially uh, homeless, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, that's when, you know, that's when Chad Kaye's connections kind of went to work, and uh, they got up there and saw him, and they loved him, and, uh, and, and you know, I the guess they did, did, man. Could you imagine that recruiting ship, lay eyes on him and get a chance? That's unbelievable. Well, what shocks me is, more than anything is that he wasn't drafted any higher than the thirty, I think, thirty-second round, thirty-first to thirty-second round. I mean, this is a guy who stepped onto a college campus and from day one just raped, mm-hmm. and and you know there was not a single scout that that got any sort of uh, tip that you had a guy in high school. <laughs> That that you know threw ninety six miles an hour right. and could hit four hundred and fifty foot bombs. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's you know, depending on how the rest of his career goes, that might be a book one day. So yep. uh, keep an eye out for that. But yeah, uh, that was pretty wild stuff. And then Luke uh, was essentially shown the door uh, by John Cohen, the former baseball coach at Mississippi State. He, uh, you know, he didn't hit great when he got there um but then they gave him another chance down the stretch uh, toward the end of the the last year that he played there which was then i think i think 2015 uh yep. either 2015 or 2016 and and he really hit well um i think he actually pretty much carried them offensively to a series win against tennessee that was uh, a pretty big um a pretty big series at the time so you know but then in the off season. I guess during, you know, his exit interview, John Cohen said, you know, look, it's going to be tough for you to get on the field here next year. And Luke said, okay, all right, see you later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they thought that they, they – they, I remember it vividly when he was uh, getting set to come to Southern Miss. They fully expected the NCAA to issue a waiver and allow him to play last year, which if you can – Imagine wow. what that would have been like yeah. to mm. have Matt Walnut, Luke Reynolds, uh, Taylor Braley, Dylan mm. Bergeau, Hunter Slater, Daniel Keating, all in the same lineup. Uh, just imagine <laughs> that for a second. Yeah. But uh, uh, it didn't. It didn't end up working out. The NCAA um, didn't get in that waiver, so he had to sit an entire year in the dugout and watch. Um, but it, it, it looks like it. It worked out for him. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Jason, we talked about um, the conference tournament and, and that atmosphere down in Biloxi, but we haven't talked about the atmosphere that Southern Miss baseball has created at their home field there at the Pete. 
you, you get to travel and see some different places, and, and of course, we're in just the hotbed of baseball, and you certainly are there in the Pine Belt. I know Mississippi State has a great atmosphere, and Ole Miss does as well. Southern Miss, that atmosphere, talk to us about what uh, what the peak means to that club and how the hometown there of Hattiesburg and the surrounding area support that club. Yeah, it, it really kind of has taken on, you know, uh, a bit of a life of its own. I mean, uh, it's got so much character and uh, so many different subtle nuances that, um, you know, aren't really that subtle for the people that love that place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you see it just about every year where, or at least the last couple of years, I think, um, the conference has done, like, these little video Q&As that they use for social media and things like that. And they ask them certain questions, like, what's your favorite place to play? What's your least favorite place to play? And almost almost across the board, uh, the players in Conference USA typically uh, say they love playing in Hattiesburg just because they don't get to play. I mean, you, you can just look at the numbers in black and white. Uh, you can look at the attendance figures. And Southern Miss, at least this year, they're averaging right around 3,800 uh, per game, per home game. And that is that is more than anybody else in conference USA by a very, very wide margin. Uh, it's not even It's not even close at all. And, you know, Southern Miss is always in the top 25 in the country when it comes to average home attendance. And, yeah, I mean, that just speaks volumes to how much uh, people care about Southern Miss and how much they enjoy uh, going out to P. Taylor Park. And, um, you know, it helps when you have a, a good product on the field, but it also, uh, you know, it's also it also speaks volumes about uh, just what they've, you know, that, that, that home field that they've created it's it's uh, some it's somewhere people like to be and uh and the players love it and the opposing players love it and uh you know it's 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 certainly it certainly is nice now let's be fair and unbiased and say that it's not as far as amenities and uh and, you know, bells and whistles and things like that, it doesn't necessarily have the greatest, you know, it's not, it's not the new Duty Noble no. in Starkville. And it's not, it's not, you know, that mecca that Texas A&M plays at uh, over in College Station. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have that glossy, um, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars invested into it where you can tell, but that character got a lot of uh you know it's it's very cozy and and uh and and what they have done to it um they've done well you know yeah, when they absolutely. added the suites and they added the uh extra seating and stuff down the right field on the first base line and then of course the roost <laughs> is uh not something to be trifled with. That's what I was going to say. You were going to cost yourself a meal or two if you didn't at least bring up the roost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, that's one of those things that, that I think uh, gives it the majority of its character. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, you, you don't see that in very many places in the country at all. I mean, I would say there's probably 10 to 12 places that have a, 
you know, and identifying something, you know, a trademark like the, the right field roost at uh, Pete Taylor Park, and it certainly is that. It's, it's very much a trademark of uh, the Southern Miss home field. Jason, if you look at this club and this year, I guess I'll ask a, a two-parted question. You've probably gotten used to those here okay. <laughs> with, with this. But if Southern Miss were to make a run to Omaha, I will ask you, like, what would have had to happen or what would have had to continue to make uh, to happen? Or if they were to not make it out of the first weekend, I guess what I'm asking you, what trends need to continue or what does this team need to kind of shore up to either make a, a deep run or, or what is the weak link that you could possibly see uh, for this club not to make it out of that first weekend of tournament play? Well, if they're going to make it out, I would say, they A, they have to keep hitting. Um, you know, they got to get everybody healthy. they got to get Daniel Keating back to 100%. they got to get Matt Gidry back to 100%. Um, and, you know, they're, they're – uh, supplemental pieces, guys like Fred Franklin, Eric Hord, Storm Cooper, um, Casey Mack, uh, you know, guys like that need to step up. I mean, they need to, there needs to be no drop off if they have to turn to, you know, if the coaches have to turn to one of those guys. They have to turn to a Storm Cooper or a Casey Mack uh, or a Fred Franklin. There doesn't need to be any drop off. Uh, in the field, at the plate, on the bases, what have you. So I think, you know, as long as they keep uh, hitting and producing runs, then then that bodes well. Um, this weekend notwithstanding, uh, I think as long as they keep pitching the way they have the past three weeks, then that bodes well. Uh, you got to get Stevie Powers healthy again, and, and you, you got to get him, he needs to, be the same pitcher he was before he got uh, banged up. Um, so, you know, I think if they are, if they do not, if they wind up not getting out of the first weekend, it's going to be because the uh, the bullpen faltered. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, they just don't have a true closer right now. You know, that's something that we saw that, that really kind of came about. You know, we haven't seen a ton of Matt Walner, and he's mm-hmm. quote-unquote the closer. Uh, I think he's only pitched 10 innings this year, and a lot of that's because there haven't been any close games. Right. But at the same time, if he doesn't have it, if teams are, are spotting him up, then then you're kind of toast. Like, they don't have another guy that they feel comfortable going to and late in the game in a close situation. I guess Cody Carroll would probably be the closest thing uh, to that. To, to sort of a backup closer if uh, if Matt Waller doesn't have it. But, um, you know, he's not the most consistent uh, pitcher that we've seen. Uh, he had a rough season. go of it on uh, Sunday getting getting the start. <laughs> didn't get he out did. of the first he, inning. He did. First pitch of the game hits, hits the leadoff man square in the back, and uh, it, it went it continued to spiral down downward um, after that. But uh, – but, no, I, I think if they can get the pitching they were getting before this past weekend, and if they can get the defense they were getting before this past weekend, if they can go back to that, then you're talking about a team that, that could potentially uh, advance. Yeah. Um, you know, for the first time since, or really only if it would be the second time 
uh, in program history. They've only won one regional. So, um, you know, I, I just think they they got to get back to that. They need to forget about this past weekend where they made five errors on Friday and, uh, you know, just didn't seem to have it pitching-wise on Sunday. Um, just forget about that and go back to to the uh, you know to the way they were playing when things were going well, and that was they they, they were playing really great, uh, good defense and pitching really well. And uh, I think I think when they're clicking, they're they're capable of advancing. Um, so they just need to click, I guess. Well, yeah, and you look at Coach Barry's comments with you post game. He he basically echoed that you know. Everything they had done in that 14-game stretch or whatever it may be, I think his comment on either after the game on Friday or after the game on Sunday was like, we just went back to all the the junk stuff that we had done in, in small stretches. Now, this is a team that's played really good um, baseball, 36 and 14, ranked 18th mm-hmm. today in the Baseball American. But that's the same uh, point that Coach Barry made, too, just playing uh, cleaner baseball. And then you saw what they did on Saturday. I mean, this, this lineup can really swing it. So uh, I, th- I think what you've made there is a couple great points on just cleaning it up. Jason, tell us what else um, what else y'all are covering up at the Hattiesburg American. I know uh, Pine Belt Baseball, Hattiesburg at the 5A level is playing for a state championship this week. If you'd talk to us about that. And then also the the series that y'all have done, I believe it started last year, maybe before that. Uh, and I know that Lebo and some of those guys are involved with. Just talk to us, uh, Jason, your access to the program and some of the things you really enjoy covering for the Hattiesburg American. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll start with the high school stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of started as a pretty promising uh, postseason for the for the high school teams in this area. You had Purvis, who had had a really great regular season. Sumnall was looking good. Uh, teams like West Mary and Perry Central Seminary, um, uh, Oak Grove, Petal. I mean, they were all they were all in the playoffs. Uh, and I'm probably forgetting some others. I think Columbia was in there. Columbia Academy, uh, Sacred Heart even advanced past the first round, which I, I don't think many people probably expected. Uh, Lumberton was even in there, so it was. It's always, it's always, you know, you usually have a lot of teams uh, in the playoffs, but we had a bunch uh, this year that, that advanced at least past the first round. Um, and uh, But now we're in the state finals, and Hattiesburg High is the uh, only one in our coverage area left standing. So, uh, yeah, they, they uh, had to scrap and, and claw to get past uh, South Jones two weeks ago. And then they uh, had a nice uh, series against West Jones this past weekend, um, which was another one that they had to, mm-hmm. to really fight to get through. Um, and West Jones, as, as you may or may not know, they're, they're coached by Trey Sutton, who was uh, who still is the all-time hit leader at Southern Miss. Uh, he's just in his second year as a head coach, and he uh, he's he's got that West Jones program doing some. Uh, doing some pretty good things and looking really, really good right now. But uh, Hattiesburg eliminated them last week, and so they're going to face Lewisburg in the Class 5A State uh, Championship Series, which Game 1 is set for 7 o'clock Tuesday uh, at Trustmark Park in Pearl, and then Game 2 is uh, 1 p.m. on Thursday. So 
if necessary, they'll play on Saturday. But that's uh, that's kind of the way the schedule is is looking right now. And uh, I have no reason to believe that Hattiesburg is not going to bring home the title, which would be pretty remarkable considering uh, everything else that that school has done as an athletic program just in this one school year. You had the football team that made it all the way to the state championship game, uh, ended up losing, but they made it. They, they won South State. Uh, the boys' track team just won the state championship for the first time in its history. The girls' track team was runner-up, uh, runner-up in 5A. Uh, the girls' basketball team won the state championship for the first time in their history. So they they they're doing some special things over there at uh, at Hattiesburg High this year and. Uh, the baseball team is is uh, going to try to uh, make it three state championships in one year. So, wow. um, well, if I had to go play for one, having Joe Gray and Dexter Jordan, uh, those are two guys I'd want to uh, bring into any series. Those phenomenal talents on the high school level. Yeah, that's you know Dexter Jordan on the mound, and 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 then you have Dexter and Joe back to back in the lineup. Uh, that's that's kind of like Hattiesburg High's version of Matt Warner and Luke Donald. They're, they they are uh, just beasts that that I think most teams would rather not have to have to deal with back to back. But uh, but yeah, and then you got AJ Stinson, who's an Alabama State signee, and um, you know so you you that, that's a very very talented team and a very deep team. I think so. Uh, I don't think they'll have any problem with Lewisburg. Uh, but going back to the to, to your second question, yeah, we're, this year is I guess we're getting toward the end now of uh, uh, season three of our of our show uh, that we started a couple of years ago. It was what's up with Winston the first year, where we kind of followed uh, former Golden Eagle Jake Winston around for an entire year. Uh, he he had an interesting personality <laughs> yeah. that uh, that that really came across, and I think. Uh, you know, it gave, gave people kind of a, a behind-the-scenes look at, at the baseball team. You don't get to see their personalities too often uh, on the baseball field, at least not as much as typically, you know, the football players have a little more personality. The basketball players have a little bit more personality when they're, when they're on the field or on the court. Baseball seems to be a little bit more even-keeled, but uh, that's kind of the reason why we started this series, is to give people uh, to, show, to showcase some of the more colorful personalities that they have uh, in that program. So what's up with Winston was two years ago. Last year was Bordeaux knows, of course, with Dylan Bordeaux. And uh, I think that's, that's, you know, I think that's kind of when it started to take off. People really enjoyed that when it turned, it, it was more of a behind the scenes interview type <laughs> that was fun. type thing. The first year, last year, it, turned into more of a semi-scripted skit-based uh, thing where they really started to have fun with it. And, um, and that, that, that's what makes it, man, is they, they love doing it. Um, and, and they do, uh, the, the, the Southern Miss media relations staff and the uh, coaching staff for the baseball program, they do, they're very, very generous with their uh, giving me the access that I need to uh, to the players to get that stuff filmed, and uh, and so I do every chance I get. I want to thank them, but uh, but no, those those players make it really really easy. All I got to do is show up, and uh, we usually sit down for about ten minutes, and 
you know, say, what are we going to do this week? And they kind of take it from there. And, uh, I wish, I wish I could, in hindsight, I'm kicking myself. I should have filmed our brainstorming sessions <laughs> just as much as I filmed the actual show because I'm, I'm going to tell you, those brainstorming <laughs> sessions, those, those dudes can get really silly <laughs> really quickly. And, uh, and I bet that would, would have made for some entertaining, uh, entertaining footage there. But, uh, but no, it's, they're great. They love it. And I think, I think it comes across. Oh, there's uh, no doubt. It it's, it's great, Jason. And, and I say this as, you know, as an onlooker, but correct me if I'm wrong, award-winning, uh, series. Is, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm um, uh, Look, we don't. We don't need. You don't have to be humble here, man. You're amongst friends. All right, good. Well, then, yes. Uh, uh, Emmy award-winning Oscar award nominee. Uh, no, yeah. We we there's something called the Associated Press Sports Editors um, Association or something. I don't know what it's called, but uh, the last two years we've submitted uh, nominations for. You know, they've got a category for something like best long form video or something and uh and we've submitted the last two years of some videos and uh they've won both years and so um very proud of that uh for sure and but again it, it really all goes back to the players because if they didn't if they weren't into it, it it you'd be able to tell and uh and and you know because they're into it it makes it a lot easier on me i just have to turn the camera on and and point it at them that's fun stuff. And, and Jason, we certainly appreciate your time. We've been visiting with Jason Munns of the Hattiesburg American. Jason, tell people where they can follow you, especially on Twitter. You're a great follow on Twitter and where they can find um, your coverage of the Golden Eagles. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter mostly. I mean, I think that's uh, the best way, at least these days, to uh, – follow most programs but yeah uh at monthly m-u-n-z-l-y uh, that's me on twitter and uh you know that's that's usually where the majority of my stuff goes i'm on facebook if you just search jason Munz, you can find me on facebook and then um uh all the work i do is uh on hattiesburgamerican.com or the stories and obviously not the videos but the stories and the photos are in the physical paper there is still a physical paper uh that people get so yeah just pick up hattiesburg american whenever you uh whenever you get a chance um but yeah that's uh that's that in a nutshell jason thank you so much man for your time and for your great coverage of southern miss well i appreciate you guys and uh, again i just i'm thrilled uh that you guys uh had me on well hopefully uh we can do this periodically through all of the seasons so our Southern Miss listeners out there can um, not only follow you on these different places but get some good information here as part of our podcast so we thank you Jason. Well I look forward to it. All right, thanks Jason. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode brought to you by Robertson Brothers. Stay tuned for more episodes in weeks to come.